Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to um, uh, part two of uh, What's the Crack Live from uh, Lisbon Addictions 2017, LX Addictions 17, uh, the um, conference. Second European conference of addiction. addictions and dependencies. That's mm. right. Um, so, uh, Addicted, addictive behaviours and dependencies. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm here again with uh, Sadie Boniface, Anna Morande and uh, Katie East. Um, again, just want to quickly introduce yourselves. Um, hi, I'm Katie East. I'm a second year PhD student um, at looking at, sorry, at the National Addiction Centre, King's College London, Institute of Psychiatry, um, and my PhD is looking at e-cigarettes and smoking. Hi, I'm Anna. Um, I'm a third year of my PhD in the addictions department as well. Um, looking at contingency management interventions. Hi, I'm Sadie. I work in the same department as Anna, Katie and Rob, and I'm a postdoc and I do alcohol research. Excellent. Um, so, uh, we're on, um, and I'm Rob, hello. Um, how have you found the, uh, the overall conference so far, like the organisation, the, uh, the freebies, the food? The lunch break is too short. <laughs> what have, lunch break? Yeah, what lunch <laughs> yeah. break? So what, it finished at 12.30 and the next talk started at 12.45 mm. and there's queues and queues and queues for, for sandwiches. Mm. We're really lucky because we have so much choice of all these different talks to go to, all these different sessions which is really great but it's packed in, jam-packed back to back with mm. talks. Yeah, and no yeah, yeah, it's great because you've always got something to do. but. And there are about there are about fifteen different um, sta- uh, stages, rooms, um, mm. places. So, yeah. and you have to make your choice about which ones you're seeing, which which is which is fine. But it does mean that you're always missing out on fourteen bits yeah. of um, yeah. yeah that's, stuff. The conference centre is good though because at least it's all in one place. Like some conferences, you have to run to a different building entirely. So at least this is all in the same place, mm. which is good. All easily accessible. And and we got a bag. Yeah. We did get a great little. Um, like a laptop bag. Mm. Yeah. No. Some post-its. With a picture of this girl. A book of different size post-its. Yeah, mm. no less. Yeah. It's sponsored by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's been really nice. And it's been, it has been full of... Uh, so it's been I like the programme as well. And the programme is, is quite good. Yeah, as in its content or how it's been printed. Oh, or... <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, I was talking more about how it's printed. <laughs> but, yeah, but we can talk about the content, of course we will do. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think it's quite uh, easy to manage. Mm. I don't know, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, 
Mm. Not so much. I'm the only one who likes no, it. They've, they've done these little symbols and stuff like that. I can't yeah. remember what they mean, but no, like for the no different idea, things, yeah. and there's like different colours, and they've tried to like yeah. give you an idea of what to expect with the different sessions as well, which I think is good. But there is yeah. a lot going on at once. There is a lot going on. One of my one of my um, it's not a criticism of LX Addictions tw- Seventeen. Um, that's the hashtag, by the way, which is why we're incessantly referencing. So in the program, they have uh, there's a, di- a distinction between there's plenary se- there are plenary sessions, there are structured sessions, there are parallel sessions, there are paper sessions, um, and so the, these have different kind and of twist. approaches um, and different kind of formats and different um, ideas behind them. But every single one of them is four or five people presenting mm. for ten minutes, yeah. followed by questions. Um, and so they're very, and I think this, you know, this isn't particular to this conference. It's not particular to addictions. It's not particular to psychology. Um, but there is a real reliance on the kind of ten-minute presentation questions format, and it's it's relentlessly this ten-minute presentations questions format. Um, there's there's very little kind of. Um, difference in how some of these things are presented apart from like you were saying Anna the, the twist sessions so um, Sadie you've been involved in the twist sessions can you what does it stand for yeah, yeah. So, twist stands for training with stakeholders so they got some funding from the European Commission to invite a whole bunch of early stage professionals from different countries around Europe and at different kind of from different backgrounds as well so some people who are doing research some people who are like practitioners, a range of policy people, a range of stuff, um, and then they've tailored these twist sessions throughout the conference to the things that this group of people were interested in. So I went to one today on alcohol, one today on prevention, because that's kind of what I'm interested in, but they've had other stuff as well about yeah, chem and sex and yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. The chem sex one at lunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, today. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was very With good. Owen Loud and Jones, name drop. So you both went to the twist, the chemsex twist. Yes. Yes. Sexuality, chemsex, and club drugs. What are the priorities with Owen Bowden Jones? Yeah. Owen Bowden Jones. He runs the club drug clinic in. Or is that his wife? He runs. She does gambling. Oh, she does gambling. Oh, a couple. She does gambling okay. research. She, 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 she has a gambling clinic. She has a gambling the clinic. The only NHS funded one, isn't it? In, mm. yeah. It's in like Central Soho. Fantastic. So what? What did you? Because there's been quite a lot on gambling here. Maybe we'll, yeah, we'll come yeah, back to that later. Um, what was the? Uh, what did you find out about chemsex? That's quite a, a new um, emerging area of research. Yeah, well, I it was it was interesting, but it was different to what I thought it was going to be. So I thought it was going to be more about like the descriptions of chemsex, but it was more about what were the options? <laughs> more <laughs> more more yeah, <laughs> um, I, yeah, it, it was. I, I've yeah, I don't really know much about chemsex. I never read any articles or anything on it, but. Um, <laughs> but it was more it wasn't as focused on um what it was mm-hmm. but more focused on like the treatment and like integrating sexual health services and drug services together yeah and it was very focused towards clinicians okay so at the moment these services are they totally separate um well i think quite a yeah. few people were saying that they some of them are integration it depends mm. on the like um area or the borough that you're in so mm. yeah i some guess if you're in the city more, it's a, like there must be a lot more provision for stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I like it. I mean, he presented like four models yeah. to understand the relationship between like uh, substance use and uh, sexual issues. Or 
So uh, he described these four models, and and then we we saw that there were many the people who attended these twist sessions. Many of them they were like practitioners, like mm -hmm. they were like more uh, working in clinical practice. So it was it was a uh, very in, into like focus on psychotherapy, focus yeah. on their experience with clients. And he had a lot of Q and A's as well, where he got us to discuss, you know, for like four minutes, you know, discuss how services could be integrated better, and then go beyond to feedback to him and yeah, it's very interactive. Mm -hmm. It's good to get people talking to each other. Yeah. I think yeah. that's uh, one of the things that they're trying to do with these sessions. Yeah, yeah. Work. Mm -hmm. yeah he's a very good yeah, it was a very good session. Mm. Excellent. Yes. Um and um, um what did they say about was there any were there any were there any particular ways that treatment services need to respond to chemsex that is different to like regular treatment or was it just about mm. integrating with other services? I mean, he, he said that it was, there were some advantages and disadvantages of working uh, in an integrated approach. Mm, versus a separate approach. Yeah, so it's, and it's that, not like white and black. Because if you can white. imagine, like, every, you know, people who attend sexual health clinics, like, not all of them are going to, obviously not all of them are going to have a problem with drugs, so, like, it would be a bit strange if they were integrated. Mm. Like, yeah, mm. so, you know, speaking as a girl who does go to sexual health clinics for things like contraception on a you know, regular basis, you then don't want to have it integrated with the drug system, which isn't... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go there. I don't there. know why. Yeah. What, for me, because... I don't know. I guess maybe like there's a lot of problem around stigma, like you wouldn't yeah. want to be seen going to a yeah. sexual health and drug clinic. Exactly, yeah. and, and many of... I don't know. And in many cases, could happen that uh, that the substance use is related to uh, sec some sexual issue. I don't know. Mm. Uh, so it's important in those cases to to uh, to address both. Um, mm. But yeah, he said like for example, for for many of the of the service users, could be could happen like. That they wouldn't like if they're being asked about their sexual issues. Mm -hmm. Like if, if they can be happy to go to a substance use service, but but if they are if they're starting to ask them like, well, what about this sexual I don't know mm -hmm. issue or this one? It's like, but I didn't come to to talk about these things, you know. Mm -hmm. But it was important to identify them. Uh, so yeah, it was a. It was yeah. a topic about like it was it was more like around discussion rather than drawing any conclusions about whether they should or shouldn't be integrated. Mm. Yeah, it was, really, it was really interesting and 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 such a not necessarily emerging trend but certainly an emerging uh, research yeah uh, mm. topic yeah yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah so that that was a twist session what were the you went to some other twist sessions yeah I went to one today on alcohol. Very general, yeah. I mean, that was the title. <laughs> um, Is this the same one? That, oh no, that wasn't. That was a different alcohol session. So I went to this twist session on alcohol with two clinicians from Barcelona. Okay. And one, so they talked about a whole bunch of stuff. But one thing they talked about that I haven't heard about before at all, but it really struck me was um, this idea of a health footprint. Which is like a carbon. Have you heard about this at all before? I don't know. Yeah, so carbon footprint is all about like, oh, you can measure the carbon footprint of going on this flight or going on this 
for us or whatever and like what impact that has on the environment and maybe like you charge EasyJet or whoever you fly with like for some of that and you hold the people that produce those carbon emissions accountable and he's talking about the health footprint so how can you measure the kind of health impacts of things like he's talking about alcohol but it could be with anything so how can you measure the health impacts of alcohol, quantify that, and then kind of charge it back or? to the alcohol industry? Okay. So he's, yeah, that's kind of what that's he's saying, that if you could measure that, and I've never heard anyone talk about mm. this um, before, but it's basically using the, yeah, the like mortality and the, the health problems that alcohol causes and trying to kind of quantify that and then be able to like, kind of charge that back to somebody in a way, which could be really beneficial for the health systems, could be a better way of taxing products and stuff like that. Would it go back to alcohol companies and also things like Sainsbury's and Tesco's, like when... I think he was talking about the producers, so like the alcohol companies rather than the retailers, mm -hmm. but I mean it could be could be either, it's kind of a, it's quite a distant sort of vision I think at the moment, but it was like a really interesting way to think about how the, the taxation could be kind of re Rethought. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting because I mean it does link into the whole kind of the whole pollution issue. It's really interesting they've chosen that terminology as well because. Um, but I remember from my degree um, that we talked a lot about externality. So there, there are things that, that businesses do, like factories do. Yeah. And mm. um, so, so, which were certainly at that point uh, determined externality. So it was things that. So if a factory pours out lots of uh, pollution it doesn't cost that factory anything to emit that pollution into the air, but it costs, there is a cost attributed to that action uh, to society. And so there's lots of work in trying to work out what that cost was to society. And, you know, you end up saying what the, what the price of a clean river is and trying to work out how these things convert back into monetary things. Because once you have that monetary unit, you can then use it to, to amend taxes so that, so that that factory is actually paying for what it's costing um, society and it's a really complicated area, but it's really, 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 really interesting. It's it's interesting to see that kind of applied yeah, to. Yeah, they uh, go both ways, don't they? Because you can have positive, mm. like in economics, you can have positive and negative externalities, mm. can't you? So if something brings some really good benefits, then that should be counted somehow. Like yeah, an economist, but yeah, it was it's kind of his vision that I think he was presenting, and I really like I really liked that. Mm. I thought he talked about it. You could do it for a country. So you mm -hmm. could say, oh, the US is like producing this much alcohol or whatever and causing this much harm compared with France or something like that. Um, mm. And also how you could do it for a company or an industry organisation yeah. or also even down to like an individual level. So, but how, so, so obviously with the carbon footprint, footprint thing, you can move to like, you know, renewable energy sources and things like that. Like, I guess there's, you can encourage companies to move to a better source of energy. Mm. With alcohol, could people be encouraged to reduce their health footprints? People sense? could, the Which industries could be encouraged to produce lower strength products or mm. things in smaller serving sizes and stuff like that, which yeah. would be like one way of reducing harm. But yeah, I don't know, I don't know how far they are with this idea. I just thought yeah. it was really interesting. It's no, like that wasn't for you to ask, that was like yeah. <laughs> thinking about the other. Side. Yeah. But, but you do you do that thing, don't you? Where uh, well, people can do that thing with flights, where you offset your carbon emissions by oh, carbon offsetting it, but it's just the most ridiculous thing. But you know, <laughs> oh, what plant some trees for me, please? I'm gonna fly yeah. to. Yeah. It's yeah. like, have you seen yeah. the have you seen the advert which is cheap neutral? 
cheatoffsetting.com. No. So it's cheat cheat offsetting. So you pay someone else to be faithful to their wife so you can then cheat. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a comic thing to take the Mickey out of. But yeah, well, it's exactly, I mean, it's, it's it's that question with with economics because economics is so brutal about about numbers and about you know it, it is emotionless. It, it's not. I'm, I'm sure I'll get all sorts of criticism for this. But everything's got a price on it. Everything has a price mm-hmm. on it. And so, if you put a price on, say, the harm done by alcohol by a company, and they then identify that price and spend that exact same price on providing, say, homeless. Uh, shelters for street drinkers, does that then offset the damage that they do by selling super strength? Does that mean they can mm, continue selling yeah. super strength, mm. over strength, over proof? Yeah, as long as they give those people somewhere price. to live. Yeah, yeah. does that, Weird. you know, once you get into that numbers game, it's quite, you get some quite, some quite difficult issues mm. arise, which, are, you know, I think, I think they're there whether you look at them or not, mm. but I think it's quite, inter- it's really interesting. Yeah, does that then make it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he say in terms of like implications of this? Was it, was it just something that was mentioned or was it like the point of the... No, this was only a tiny bit of the story. Okay. I, just, I just thought it was quite interesting. interesting. Okay. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Classic. So the, the, the twist so sessions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, um, that is good to try and network and talk to meet people. There's people from mm-hmm. all over the world, so you don't just want to talk to people you know already. Yeah. Which... I don't know, I've done a limited amount of that this week. Who have you networked with? No one I don't already know, really. It's just the possibility. Just reinforcing existing. I met Ed Day. That was my... Celebrity spot number one. He's your new pal. He's very nice. We like him. Yeah, he is friendly. I approached Harry Sumnall yesterday because he was saying some interesting things about quality standards in treatment, which is an area of interest. 
for me. So I approached Harry Sumnall. Was he nice? Can okay. you say what you mean about by quality standards? Uh, yes. So he, that was a, it was a whole section on... Um, so this was particularly from a European perspective. Um, and this was a whole series of talks on how you can identify standards of treatment. So say, you know, this is the minimum standard. If we're providing drug treatment for uh, people who are seeking it, this is the minimum standard that we need to give people. It needs to be responsive, it needs to be ethical, it needs to be non, non, relatively non-coercive, and it needs to be non-judgmental. Um, and some basic standards and some, and some kind of more um, involved standards, like it needs to be evidence-based, it needs to be uh, something that that has been shown to work. Um, so they were talking about um, about these standards, how you roll them out, um, and I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, um, it, if we're not careful, I'll just talk for an hour and a half about my PhD. <laughs> uh, so I'll try well, not to do that. You can link it to your poster that you're doing tomorrow. I can link it to my poster, hashtag poster, Alex Addiction 17. What will that be available on Twitter, that poster? That, yeah. that, that will be available on Twitter. Tomorrow. Um, so there's, there are lots of things in the UK that encourage minimum sta- uh, standards in um, uh, drug treatment. So there's, there are commissioning structures, there are commissioning cycles, um, there's uh, CQC, the Care Quality Commission, who, who audit services and make sure they're delivering to a particular set of standards. Um, competitive tendering is, is designed to improve standards and, and uh, reduce price through competition and things like that. But you don't have... Uh, legal minimal standards for the delivery of evidence-based practice or um, there are very few enforced uh, mandatory standards that uh, that drug treatment agencies have to adhere to other than those that are legal uh, and, and the CQC does some some really really good work but mostly it's about making sure that records are kept that people are treated with dignity that people um, the services are responsive to these things that everyone has a ca- has a care plan not about whether they are using the kind of up-to-date evidence-based practice, the most um, uh, reliable forms of treatment. Um, and I think it's really interesting seeing how in an area where there are no mandatory enforceable standards, how these standards then emerge and either are kept in a kind of semi-voluntary way. I think it's a really grey area and it really encapsulates that area where research kind of meets policy. And Which policy is the doesn't... whole point of this. Yeah, absolutely, um, and and how things get enacted which aren't mandatory, and how things don't get enacted which are mandatory. You know, you look at sorry, it told you. Um, <laughs> you look at you know things like the law the law of uh, prohibition. Lots and lots of drugs in Europe are, are are banned, are illegal, and yet lots and lots of people still take them. And lots of um, standards in drug treatment are not legal minimal standards but they are still delivered um, and so the limited effect that the state and policy can have on practice um, and that kind of fuzzy matching between what one does and what the other I, th- I find really really fascinating um, so that's what Harry. Professor Harry Sumner was talking about about 20 minutes ago when I started talking so, mm, you said you went to talk to him so I went to talk to him um, I, yes <laughs> I, I approached I approached Professor Harry Sumner I said oh is it Professor Sumner and he said oh it's Harry to you it's Harry I know I must have made quite an impression yes Um, so he seemed he seemed really nice he's really interested in that kind of implication stuff so uh, he was my celebrity spot um, uh, for the day Um, the other interesting thing I found this afternoon was it was in the treatment uh, section so there was a whole section on um, on uh, treatment for drug yes uh, addiction 
and mm-hmm. it was it was it was a uh, uh, I had to I had to leave halfway through to get a coffee. I was uh, <laughs> uh, you know it's been a long festival. Um, I had a lot of cheese yesterday. Um, and this morning. Yeah, I needed, and yeah. And some morning, of the, yeah. the speakers. And there. a lot of custard tarts. They need to prove their, I don't know, their performance skills. Delivery. Yeah, it, it was the one time. It I mean, there's, there's been mixed standards yeah. of, of, of performance. And it's difficult because a lot of, so like a lot of them aren't native English speakers. So yeah. it's really difficult. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's not people's day job. People's, uh, people are here whose day job is it's To sit is at a computer yeah. and not speak to anyone. Yeah, and then you, you know you have to then be a proficient uh, presenter. But the, uh, the 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 treatment one was was quite difficult. There was someone who was just reading all the word from their slides, and that, that's always quite tricky to focus on. But the, there was there were some nuggets there um, yep. once the co- caffeine had kicked in, um, and one of the statistics was that um, in this sample that this person had, uh, they found this was uh, of people who. Um, scored highly for, for drug addiction, people who were identified as um, problematically using substances, um, that there was 25% of them had ADHD, had co-occurring ADHD, oh. compared to like 5% of the general population. So there's a massive increase in, in people with co-occurring ADHD. ADHD among this uh, drug-using population, which I thought was really, really interesting. And is ADHD normally noticed or diagnosed in childhood? So that's yeah. something that could be like a risk factor yeah. later on. Yeah, absolutely. And there's there's lots of really, really interesting stuff about the interaction between ADHD and substance misuse, um, and and lots of connections with kind of impulsivity and um, uh, and focus. You know, in in in, a, in an industry that's trying to encourage people to stay in treatment and not get distracted, if you've got a quarter of your population who, um, by a nature of their diagnosis, are kind of easily distracted, um, that poses particular challenges for treatment. And I think I think it's really interesting. It links in with what we were saying about something about day one is you know how you uh, how you identify this group of people. No, it was earlier earlier in this podcast about chemsex. You know, you have a, a unique group of people within the treatment population who have unique needs. Yes. Now, do you provide unique services for those unique needs, or do you try and kind of amalgamate them and treat people um, equally? And so, you know, you have people with ADHD who need specific treatments. Do they just fit into general treatment agencies? Um, or do you need to do something uh, specific and separate? Integrated. Yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to learn about their outcomes and stuff like that, and yeah. completion and all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and again, a bit like chemsex, it's quite an emerging yeah, thing. Yeah, I was about to say that like, it kind of comes into the integrating mm-hmm. sexual yeah. health and um, drug services. And yeah. Mm, and addiction and mental health. Yeah. And yeah. Mm. So this, uh, sorry, no, so this was the paper session 39. Developing effective drug treatment. Yeah, yeah. Just to give our turn to our listeners. For those who are listening to the podcast, uh, with the uh, LX Addiction 17 timetable in front of them, (laughs) and you want to know where they're at. Yes. 39. I really like the one that was uh, the, the qualitative study. Oh, that was um, when I had to go and get the coffee, wasn't yes. it? Yeah, I yeah I'm sorry. That was one you were really excited about as well. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that was when uh, it, it was instead from Norway. Um, oh, I was from really excited. Henning Peterson. Sorry. Yeah, it was. I mean, um, 
they were like, um, the, the research was about this concept of stable recovery. So oh, okay. it's a, like an interesting topic. I mean, when you, you evaluate the effectiveness of treatment, usually are like, they're not evaluated in the long term. Yeah, so it's like it's they like got through it and then they finished it. And yeah. Then, yeah, so this mm. qualitative study, mm. they, they, they interview people who are like 10 years in abstinence or so. so it was From in, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, from different drugs and different substances, and um, like uh, there were, I think, were eleven participants that they were okay. interviewing. So, um, so it was it was very interesting the way they did it, and and um, there was um, uh, they were they they have like a resource group. So so this uh, study was designed with the help of other um, service users. I mean, sorry, substance users who are also like like mentors of from these mm. participants. Um, so it was interesting, but yeah, I mean, it was just a minute, and and the speakers. I mean, I understand because I'm not uh, a native speaker neither, but they were like so slow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so slow, trying really, really struggling with the English and. So there was just a little bit um, of space to 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 get more deeply into into the to what actually the, the participants said about what were the main reasons that helped them to to be to maintain the abstinence for all these years. Mm -hmm. But the quotes were very good, uh, and so yeah, I would like to hear more like more than that. So looking forward to read the paper. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I think I think it's really really fascinating, and I think that there's something about that that's, that for me sums up the um, the conference as I as I found it. I mean, there, there is so much here, um, and there's so much that people talk about addiction, that people know about addiction, that people don't know about addiction. And you go into some, and you know, they're talking about artificial intelligence yeah. interpreting massive data sets to try and find out things about humanity there. There are really responsive bits of research into uh, chemsex and uh, comorbidities, yeah. gambling and um, economic evaluation of the impact of, of drinking and all these things. And then you go into some others and, and, and we are still as a, as a research field, you know, we're almost still trying to define what addiction is. Those, those arguments still mm. rumble on. Mm. Um, and so there are some places where, um, you know, we really, we really are kind of the amount that we don't know is is enormous um, even though some of the stuff that we that, that we're doing as a field is really um, is really exciting really novel and so you know i think I, you know i think there is something where you know i think conferences like this need to put it somehow if all this disparate knowledge and sometimes quite contradictory findings can be put together then we, we have can... a lot of methods yeah we have all the methods it's just and and, and it is moving towards integration but but yeah Maybe there needs to be more systematic reviews and meta-analyses. Yeah, but they can just be done by robots. They can yeah. be done by robots, yeah. So, on so that, to conclude... To conclude, we need lots of... We need systematic we reviews need done by robots. That's um, what we... That, I think that's our take-home message from... Yeah. These two podcasts. Alex Addiction 17, yeah. more systematic reviews <laughs> completed by robots. More robots. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, thank you... Um, uh, uh, thank you, Anna, Sadie, and Katie. Obrigado. 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 Yes. 
And no thank center. you to Lisbon Addictions. Uh, thank you to SSA for funding some of our places out here. And to Twist for funding, Twist for funding Sadie's. Um, and to Anna for um, uh, helping us speak to people in Spanish. In Portuñol, actually. We were Portuñol. speaking Portuñol. Okay. Yeah. Portuguese Spanish. Oh. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> before I cause an international incident. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, thanks for listening. And uh, yeah. that's us from Lisbon. Bye. 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 Ciao. Ciao. <laughs>